It's time to breathe new life into the social entrepreneur by empowering you to make a living through fulfilling work that will impact lives. You'll make money, but more importantly, you'll make a difference. Welcome to the Change Creator Podcast. It's time to build a business with purpose. Now here's your host, Adam Force. Hey, I'm Aaron Carson. Welcome to the Change Creator Podcast show. How are you guys doing today? Hey, Adam. Thanks so much for having us on your show. We really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you. Awesome. Very excited. Hello, hello. Excellent, excellent. Well, we love what you guys are doing, and this is definitely an industry we've been eager to tap into. So I am going to explore what you guys have going on. You had some great success in the past few years. Um, why don't you just tee everybody up that's listening? You know, we got the entrepreneurial audience here. Um, these guys are they're playing big in the cannabis space, and um, give them a little background. So uh, Carson, if you you know this is your brainchild, why don't you tell us how you got to this point, and um, you know where you where you are now. Yeah, Adam. Well, it's a, it's a pretty funny story how it all happened. I was a senior in college and I was doing a company called On Track Adventures, which was a student travel company. And I had a huge database of students and recent grads. And as the end of my senior year came around, I sent an email out to the students and, and recent grads asking them which industries they were interested in getting jobs in. And a huge response came back saying the cannabis industry, which was, you know, an industry that I didn't know anything about. I was at school in upstate New York, but it intrigued me enough to go to a cannabis conference. And when I went to the conference, I was walking around the trade show floor asking the companies, what is it that you do? And I was very impressed by the level of companies that were there. I was similar to probably a lot of listeners. I assumed the cannabis industry was just growing cannabis and then selling cannabis. And I didn't realize all the complexities and all the various businesses that existed within the space. And then even more interesting to that was I asked the companies what positions they were hiring for. And Adam, it was every position you can imagine from a chemical engineer to a dispensary store manager, to a botanist, to an executive assistant. There were so many different positions available. And I asked the companies, how do you find your employees? And they said they were very limited to their own networks because there wasn't an industry specific staffing agency for permanent placement or temporary placement. And at this time in 2015, if companies tried to advertise their jobs through traditional job boards, the job boards would actually take the jobs down, which this, this rule has, um, isn't, you know, these job boards are less strict today in 2018 than they were in 2015, but I saw an opportunity to be the first to market and, and build a recruiting resource so that professionals from all different industries could get connected with cannabis jobs. I love it. I love it. And I love, you know, it's amazing how these things come into play and it's smart that you went to a conference, started asking questions. But what's even smarter is when something like this kind of shows up and you see this data, some people gloss over it, um, but you took notice and it was like, wow, this could be an interesting opportunity. Let me explore this a little bit more. Um, and that definitely turned out to be a real demonstration for the demand um, and a pain point that was out there. So um, just to explore this a little further now, you guys told me that Amanda is the third hire uh, of the company and she's in the business development space. So just everybody listening, you know, Amanda is the, the business development uh, lead and uh, Carson is obviously the founder. Um, so Amanda, just, I guess, what, what attracted you to the company um, and what were some of the initial steps that you started thinking about to strategically start building and developing um, your end of it? 
Yeah, uh, great question, Adam. Um, so I joined Vangst in two, August of 2016. Um, at the time, they had already spent about a good year and two months uh, working specifically within uh, the cannabis recruitment space in Illinois. Um, so I'm from Chicago originally, and around March of 2015, I had gotten um, some encouragement from my family to explore the cannabis industry as a way to uh, find a new profession for myself. Um, I was you know, going to school part-time and working part-time and really wasn't finding, um, you know, a career path that was interesting to me. And one day my dad told me, he's like, Hey, why don't you take, take a look at the cannabis space and see what you can do here? Um, so from there I learned everything I could about the Illinois market, um, back in 2015 when they legalized and started distributing licenses. Um, I networked with the, the right people. Um, I attended a lot of local networking groups. Um, and then from there I, uh, was kind of tapped on the shoulder by, um, a, someone that was trying to run a cannabis recruitment firm in Chicago. Uh, and he said, Hey, I think you could be a great cannabis recruiter. You know, the space I can teach you recruiting, uh, come and join our team. So I, when I joined Carson, um, I had already worked with a few dispensary groups in the Illinois market, but I had never really expanded, uh, my, my scope or my searches beyond Illinois. I was relocating people from Colorado, but, um, it wasn't the same. And so I had a mutual acquaintance that introduced me to Carson, um, that said, you guys should connect. Finally, uh, once I was ready to make the move from Illinois and I harassed Carson until she finally got back to me. <laughs> um, and she's like, Hey, okay. We had a really great conversation. And then I, uh, joined the team, uh, in LA and helped to kind of, uh, open up and launch that market and really just get a better sense of, um, you know, what the West coast businesses were looking for, uh, from a, a talent perspective. Wow. Very cool. So uh, I, I'm curious, you know, as, as something like this starts, uh, Carson, you know, so you get this idea. Um, one of the things I always like to hear from people is how do you start manifesting this? What were some of the earlier steps that you had to take to make this real? Like, you know, before, like right now you have traction, um, but what made it, what, how'd you get out of the gates? It's so hard. I mean, I, I, I remember thinking that every day I was going to would, would wake up and would think, okay, today's the day that I'm going to get my first client. And it's, it seems like a distant memory, but it was so exciting because I was just so excited. I just was like, I just need to get one client. And so all those companies who I had met at the trade show, I just started following up with them and saying, hey, we met at the trade show. You mentioned that hiring was a challenge. I'd love to arrange a time to meet with you to talk about your hiring needs. I have a really large pool of potential candidates. I'd love to have a meeting. And you go, you go into the meeting and you have and me, I have no experience in recruiting. I'm 22 and I have no experience in cannabis. Most people said, no, why, why, why would we use you to do this service? You're completely unqualified. And finally, this company OpenVape said to me after our third meeting, you've been so persistent, fine. If you can find us an accountant, we will pay the fee, good luck, go. And so <laughs> I, I said, this is the best day of my life. I called all my friends and family, we got a client, which you know, it's a big client, OpenVape is a big deal. And somehow I was able to find them, their accountant, Kiara, who I believe is still there to date. And they said, this was actually an amazing service. You found us four great candidates. We're going to refer you to some other cannabis companies. And then they referred me to some additional cannabis companies. And when you can kind of get that word of mouth referral, especially from a, from a big brand like OpenVape, that really was what it took to go from zero clients to several clients. And once I had enough 
um, business where I felt confident that I could support a full-time person, I hired our, our first team member, Jordan Smith, and her role was also business development. Her role was to make as many calls a day as possible to companies who were hiring. And she would say, hey, we've helped OpenVape, we've helped Canada Advisors, we've helped Native Roots, we'd love the chance to help you. And so that's sort of how it initially builds. But I'm telling you that getting the first client and having somebody take a chance, I am forever grateful to Open Vape uh, for for giving me and Banks the chance. Yeah, that's great. And I mean, at that point, did you have a website? Like, were you actually developed with a business plan, or were you just out to see if you can hook somebody? I had a website that I made through this this software called Wix. <laughs> And oh, by the way, the company was called Graduana, Green Jobs for Grads. And the logo was a graduation cap with a weed leaf coming off of the side. So you can imagine my friends and family as I'm graduating college, telling them that I'm going to start Graduana, a weed hiring company. People are literally looking at my parents during this graduation dinner saying to my parents, we're so sorry that your kid is going to starting a weed hiring company like you know you must be horrified <laughs> and um so, so it's just kind of funny but um yeah i mean i had a website and but it wasn't good it it, it was just said that we me aka me uh did cannabis recruiting <laughs> and so when you went out to these clients i mean what were you did you have like assets you put together to pitch them and things like that Yeah, I made marketing materials that just basically went over the service. And, you know, at the time, now we have recruiters that have 25 years of recruiting experience. And the process is much more streamlined. But at the time, I I just stated what I was going to do. I said, you'll tell me what your your hiring needs are. I'll put together a job description and I will go out and I will find you the candidates you need that can, can help you achieve these goals. And so I made basic marketing materials and I would walk into these businesses cold and say, I'm Carson Humiston. I'm a recruiter for the cannabis space and I would love to hear more about your hiring. I, I think I can help and make a difference. Yeah. And yeah. like I said, most people said you're crazy. No. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, understandable, but I, I think the lesson here for people listening is like, listen, at the beginning is always very tough and you're going to have to get creative and you're going to have to be persistent and you're going to have to face a lot of no's. But, um, you know, you also don't need a perfect website and all those types of things. You just get a couple things out there. Um, and you know what? I love, I love your story of getting that first client and kind of facing rejection for a while but doing it with the real like it's like a beta nitty gritty (laughs) which I think is yeah I mean I I always I I think that I think and I don't know I'm sure my answer will change in the coming years but entrepreneurship is a lot of just persistence hanging in there believing that it will work envisioning where it's going and and sticking to the plan you have to believe that in what you're doing I believe that this was a need and was not willing to give up until I got a client. And so setting goals and just going after the goals and not taking no for an answer, I think it's a big differentiator between companies that can get off the ground um, and companies that inevitably fail. I, I think it comes down to giving up. Yeah, I think you're right because it's, you know, two and three years go by quick in the entrepreneurial world and people run out of money, they run out of patience. And, um, you know, if you put enough time and energy towards something, you know, it starts to come to life. But just uh, you're right. That persistence and consistency is key. So um, let me just uh, shift this over a little bit to uh, Amanda, because I'm curious now. 
you're off the ground. You got your first client. A year and change later, Amanda comes on board and you are focused on L.A. Um, you know, business development. I mean, God, you, you hammered it too, Carson. You were like, we brought someone on. All they did was phone calls. And I think, you know, it's such an important part of the business because people get hung up on actually, you know, the creation, like our website and our assets and all these things. But the marketing, a.k.a. also business development, growing and building partnerships and doing these things is 80 percent of your time, really. Right. So. So I'm curious then, Amanda, when you came in, how did you assess what was going on at the company at that point and what was your plan to start growing that market? Yeah, uh, great question. So when I first spoke with Carson about, you know, potential employment and relocating myself from uh, Chicago to LA, um, I just knew I wanted to get out West. Um, I felt like the Illinois market was really restrictive, um, especially because I had been, you know, kind of selling staffing services to the singular market um, for a year. And I really wasn't getting a lot of traction because at the time the businesses were just not ready or equipped um, or really making enough money um, at that point to outsource or hiring, um, you know, unless they really, really needed somebody, uh, you know, to relocate from Colorado or that had cultivation talent. Um, so when I spoke with Carson, uh, we talked, I think for like two hours, maybe two, an hour and a half, two hours, just about kind of her vision and what she was looking for and what, you know, she needed from a, a teammate. And, you know, really I felt that her vision aligned with where I saw myself growing this kind of newfound career for myself, yeah. um, that I had in Chicago, uh, because, you know, prior to, working in cannabis. I had never recruited before. I had never sold before. Um, this is very much an opportunity for me to kind of challenge myself to see where, like how fast and how far I could run, um, with any opportunity being presented. Um, so when Carson said, okay, you're hired and gave me the green light, uh, to go out to LA, um, we, uh, we made that decision. Like, this girl's nuts. This girl's called me <laughs> like 300 times and says that she wants to open banks, California, she has the, she's been doing cannabis recruiting with an, with a, basically a competitor that we've never heard of. Let's do it. Yeah. I yeah. Love, it. I love that aggressiveness. Yeah. <laughs> Aggressive is uh, kind of synonymous with my name. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, but so when I got out to LA, you know, it was, uh, it was intimidating, you know, it was very much a, a huge market and a lot of these businesses at this point, you know, were still operating underneath a gray, a gray model. So some of the clients that we were getting in California and some of the networking events that I was going to with, so was with, um, you know, some really colorful characters. Um, uh, we had a client in LA that, um, you know, we thought we hit the gold mine. We're like, yes, they need, you know, janitors, they need bud tenders, they need office managers, assistants. And, you know, we kind of get there and it is a completely it's a completely different uh, dispensary model and just kind of business model from what I was familiar with coming from Chicago cannabis hmm. um, so a lot of what I did early on was just go to networking events um, you know you reach out to kind of existing relationships or companies that Carson had existing relationships with and just introduce myself to all the sales reps um, and then once I finally felt like I had kind of a, a good fitting with a foot within the LA market I recognized that a lot of our team growth and uh, development was going to happen in the Denver office. So uh, I subsequently relocated to uh, Denver after about like eight months. Um, but since kind of spending that like eight months in LA, um, I really felt like I was able to make some strong lasting connections in that market by just being persistent, um, you know, being transparent when, you know, kind of developing these relationships and just, you know, kind of always 
offering myself as a resource from a hiring perspective, from a brainstorm perspective, from just, you know, a friendly face at a networking event. Um, and I feel like that uh, really helped me to kind of establish and maintain these key relationships that have really allowed my business development career um, over the last two years with Thanks uh, to blossom and grow uh, tremendously than anything I think anything I would have been able to do in Chicago. <laughs> right. Sort of Sort of piggybacking off Amanda, we went into the LA market too soon. I mean, recreational cannabis wasn't even legal yet. The licensing wasn't worked out. And so, you know, basically we got to eight months of Amanda being there and found her working on more, you know, work in Colorado than California. And so then she made the change to Colorado. And now we've since hired business development managers in actually LA. So, I mean, Amanda's gone from Chicago to LA to Denver and talk about that thing that I was saying earlier about just hanging in there and staying persistent. We went into a market before they really needed us, but Amanda in a way kind of teed it up for these new reps that we've hired who now have already met Amanda two years ago. Yeah, I love that. So definitely not a bad thing um, to plant seeds. And we always talk about that here at Change Creators. You've got to get out there. You've got to plant seeds and those things are going to be ready to blossom at some point. Exactly. Yeah, I love yep. that. I love that. And, and, and Amanda, it sounds like, it, you know, especially in these early phases, because I wanted to stress the need for smart business development um, in a startup. And I, it sounds like from what you were saying, there's a, a important part of this is really getting out there and being face-to-face, -face, networking, going to conferences or meetups or knocking on someone's door. It seems like that kind of hustle is really important early on. Yeah, no, I would 100% agree with that. I um, mean, you know, especially now uh, with banks, I'm focusing more on the Canadian market, um, hence why I'm in Toronto this week, um, and doing business development up here and, and really just being able to put, stick your hand out and say, hi, I'm Amanda with banks. Um, it, that takes a lot of confidence. It takes a lot of, it takes a lot of grit to be able to do that. And it's not a very comfortable um, position to be in at first, especially if you're not used to being in a, a business development or your personality doesn't lend itself to um, being outgoing, uh, you right. know, but I, I think it is very important and it's a very important life skill for people to develop um, because the more that you introduce yourself to strangers, the more or the less strangers you're going to have in new places when you go back and visit. And from a biz dev perspective here in cannabis, it really is not just, you know, the, the service that you're providing, the service you're providing is great, but from a sales perspective, they also have to want to buy from you. They also want to have to um, trust you and, and you, they can't trust you if they don't know you and they don't know you if you don't introduce yourself right right and were you guys early on with the uh, you know initial clients were you offering special deals to get them started as like the early adopters or was it straight up like this is what it is like full price oh it was basically <laughs> it was so it was so cheap um it was i mean if, if the average recruiting firm is charging 30% on first year annual salary, we were charging like 5%. And okay. so in addition to doing whatever it takes to land the clients, we were essentially offering them a free service. Right. All right. Just a little something for processing, but the rest is kind of like, we just want to get your business. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously since that, that, I mean, since that time that is, that has changed. Right. Of course. But, um, I think that that's a, that's a huge, can, can be a really great way to get your foot in, in, in the door as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think early on, you got to do what you got to do to start building the relationships and earning people's trust. To your point, they didn't know uh, of you and they didn't trust that you can do what you needed to do. So you give them a deal that that's a no brainer and then you earn that trust. 
Yeah, you can't put a dollar on relationships. And so if we've been able to develop relationships with our clients and they will continue using us. They know when they have a hire, if they reach out to us, they trust that we are going to go above and beyond getting them the right person. We're not just going to throw random people at them. We're really going to spend time vetting the candidates, talking to the candidates, previous coworkers and employers, drilling into exactly what that candidate has done and if the candidate can make an impact for our clients. And so that doesn't happen overnight. That trust between our clients and us doesn't happen overnight. And that's why we think that relationship building is so important. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. Uh, That's a really important takeaway from all this is that relationship building. Um, And what has been your biggest challenge so far? I mean, since the inception of the business? I think actually the biggest challenge has been managing the growth, right? We at the at the end of 2017, we had 19 employees and now we have 50. And the reason for all the hiring has been largely because of the demand of our clients. So we have all of our existing clients who are growing like crazy and need roles. And then we have all the new companies out there who are growing like crazy and need need roles. And so we've been able to, to grow with the industry growing, um, but, but managing the growth. I mean, it's a very different company today than it was when it was uh, Amanda and I with, with our two other team members, Kyle and Jordan, back in the tail end of the summer of 2016. You know, it's a very different company at, at, at 2018. And so I think the challenge has been managing the growth. Right. Very cool. And, and what has been your strategy to actually manage it? What has worked? And, you know, uh, that's a great question. Before I answer, I just want to say that in, in, in managing it, also ensuring that all the people that we bring on have sort of the same core values of the ones that Amanda and I talked about. And so putting the clients in the relationship first, right? How do you scale that kind of individualized component of the business? Yeah. And so what we've done that I think we've done well is we have a pretty solid management and leadership team. And so our, our team members have people that they can go to. In addition um, to that, we've spent a lot of time on company culture so that everybody can understand what the long-term vision is and how they fit into it. And so from monthly all hands on deck meetings to weekly update emails, um, we really want to make sure that each segment of the business understands what the other people are working on and so that we're all kind of bought in and all shooting towards the same goals. And so I can't stress enough to anyone else who's kind of going through the high growth phase. One thing that that is important is bringing on the right people, of course, but then making sure that they're aligned and their incentives are aligned with what the long-term goals are. Love it. Yep. Love that. All right. I'm going to shift gears just a little bit, guys. And I I want to kind of tap into two areas. Um, One is your uh, fundraising round with Layer Hippow. I think I pronounced that correctly. Um, Actually, I'm a big fan of those guys. Um, Ben um, Hippow is uh, the uh, CEO of group nine media big fan of that group <laughs> yeah they're, they're awesome. yeah very very uh, cool firm um and then uh, so let's just talk about that a little bit and so y- you decided to raise i assume that is to help manage and expedite some additional growth phases that you guys are going through can you talk a little bit about how did you connect with these guys um what was your process and pitching and stuff like that like can you can you walk us through it a little bit yeah, so I think we, we got to a place where we realized that we wanted to scale faster. There was tons of new states that were opening up, and particularly on the technology side, there were some things that we felt we could do to more effectively help our clients 
connect with employees. And so we got to a place where we felt that raising capital would, would be the right move. And on, in addition to that, I think it's one thing for the check. I think it's the other thing for the right partners. And so as a single founder, as a younger founder, I wanted to find people who could be our partners to help us scale. And so I, I can't stress enough to other entrepreneurs, just in my experience going through fundraising one time, it's not about the money, it's about the people that you find. And so we were so fortunate to connect with, uh, um, we were so fortunate to connect with Blair Hippo and Casa Verde, our other um, investors for this round, because they've been able to help us from a strategy point, really expedite our growth. And how did you connect with these guys? Yeah, so actually one of our clients named Ryan Smith, who's the CEO of LeafLink, he connected us to both of them. They're both investors in LeafLink, and we work very closely with LeafLink, and Ryan connected me with both of them. Ah, nice warm welcome. Love that. Yeah, it was it was it worked out really well. Cool, cool. Um, and did you guys still have to go through like a full like pitch deck process and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. So when we decided that we were going to raise capital, we put together a pitch deck and basically talked about what we've done in the past and what we're looking to do moving forward and kind of why we're raising money and and what it's going to go towards. And yeah, we put we put the pitch deck together and then we sent it over. Cool, 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 cool. Um, And you guys raised two point five. Is that correct? Yep. Nice, nice. Well, we're excited to see what that does for you guys. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to really tap into, I just want to get some of your thoughts on the trends. You know, I mean, we're in a really interesting space, um, you know, this cannabis space uh, that you guys are in. And I am interested in understanding some of your thoughts around, like, the social impact of the cannabis movement. Um, how does this affect people um, in your perspective? You know, since you're running a business where you're employing people, um, I feel like that becomes a contribution towards this movement, right? So, and do you have any feelings or opinions that you're uh, willing to share about this movement and what it's doing for society socially? Is it a good thing? And like all that kind of stuff. I'm curious to hear some of your thoughts on those trends. Yeah, I'll let Amanda um, speak to it first, and then I, I can jump in after Amanda. Great. Yeah, sure. Yeah, perfect. No, um, I, I think... I, I, the very basic level, what we do is we create jobs for people in multiple markets, not just in the U.S., but also in Canada, Puerto Rico, Jamaica, Israel, Colombia. And so with that, it's allowed us to, um, from a, a bank's perspective, kind of build this community of banksters, which are essentially just incredibly motivated, talented, um, you know, entrepreneurial people that want to get involved in the cannabis industry and, and join um, some of the companies that we're working with. You know, at this point, we work with uh, a lot of really really well-recognized brands and retail chains and and kind of innovative ancillary products within the cannabis space. Um, So, you know, from a bank's perspective, we've been able to build, you know, a solid community of entrepreneurs, right? Um, From a social perspective, um, myself, I can, you know, really attest to this. Uh, The cannabis industry creates a a very strong community. Um, You know, myself, like I alluded to earlier, I, you know, I had never recruited before. I had never been in a sales position before. And because I had encouragement from, you know, my family, 
to explore career opportunities in this space, I was granted a really awesome, amazing golden ticket on the fastest train ride I've ever been on in my life um, to grow and expand myself both personally and professionally. Um, you know, within this industry in multiple markets, I've been able to find mentors. I've been able to make really meaningful connections. I've been able to join nonprofits um, that have uh, deeply impacted, um, you know, the, the communities in which the, they, they exist. Um, you know, I think from a, a, a social perspective, um, you know, cannabis is as a, as a medicine, um, you know, I think we're going to see a lot of, um, a lot of growth and uh, a lot of opportunity for, um, you know, doctors and physicians to come out and really um, speak in favor of this over the next few years. Um, you know, and I also think from a uh, um, kind of like a, a child's perspective, right? You're also going to see a lot more like wide acceptance and education from, you know, parents on how to talk to your children about cannabis. You're going to see, um, you know, I think in Illinois, they just passed a law saying that children that are on the medical cannabis program are allowed to consume cannabis while at school, as long as it's in like a gel or a capsule form. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think that we are going to see uh, a lot of big, big changes and you can already kind of see the impact from a, a community standpoint, um, but we're going to see a lot of big social changes within the cannabis cannabis world globally over the next few years few years i agree i love that yeah that makes sense and what about you carson any any additional thoughts on how this will impact society and industry and things like that I agree with everything Amanda said i it's going to create a lot of jobs right now there's 160,000 people employed full-time in the space and this number is expected to triple by 2020 and that's a lot of additional jobs Right. Um, it's a lot of additional tax revenue in, in Colorado alone. The industry did over a billion dollars in sales last year, which means wow. over a quarter billion just in tax revenue. That's going towards schools. That's going towards repairing roads. You name it. Cannabis tax dollars are helping each of the communities on top of um, employing a, a lot of people. So I think from an economic standpoint, it's a no brainer. And from a social standpoint, I would agree with everything that Amanda has said. One piece uh, that I'll touch on is this industry is a relatively new industry and thus the leaders in the space and the business owners have the opportunity to build the industry how we envision it rolling out and we have the opportunity to create one of the most inclusive industries in the world. I, I know at Banks the statistic that we're proud of is that 53% of the people that we've placed so far in 2018 are minorities and we have the chance to connect minorities with awesome jobs in, in an emerging industry. So I think this industry being as progressive as it is and as forward thinking as it is will definitely roll out to being one of the diverse, you know, the most diverse industries in the U.S. Love it. Yeah, that's great. I think that all makes a lot of sense. And um, I guess my, my final parting uh, question here that I'd like to hear from you is, um, what are some pain points you still see in this industry? Is anything stand out to you that, you know, our listeners can be aware of as things that are still a, a need in this space? Yeah, I mean, I think there's several issues on the legislation point. There's a lot of ramifications that cannabis companies face that a lot of other businesses don't face. So, for example, there's a bill called 280E, which basically doesn't allow cannabis businesses to write off traditional business expenses, so payroll expense and many other things. And so, thus, cannabis businesses are actually taxed at about a 90% 
rate. So while cannabis businesses are generating a lot of revenue, they're not generating a lot of profit, which I feel is a very big misconception amongst this, amongst, uh, you know, the green rush is happening, go into cannabis, <laughs> billionaire tomorrow. That's really not the reality. And until the law on a federal level is changed, there's a lot of challenges that businesses face. So 280E is one of them. Banking is another. Many cannabis businesses don't have access to banking, which frankly is a public safety concern. If, you know, your clients are paying you in cash and you have hundreds of thousands of dollars in a safe somewhere that's I mean we don't fortunately we're a business that has banking but many people don't and so that is a huge uh, public safety concern you know those are two uh, concerns that I uh, see impacting businesses that we work with every day interesting interesting any other thoughts on that Amanda uh, yeah, no, I think Carson, you know, pretty much covered it, you know, from a legislative perspective, there's still a lot of challenges that these businesses face. Um, you know, I think from uh, a recruitment perspective, you know, uh, it's not necessarily a challenge as much as, um, you know, a, a success, I'd say, that we're seeing a lot more qualified individuals um, explore opportunities within the cannabis space that are, you know, kind of more willing to have conversations with our recruiters uh, about, you know, potential job opportunities that, you know, two, three years ago, we couldn't get any of these individuals to talk to. So, you know, regardless of what these businesses, the challenges these businesses are facing, um, both internally and externally, I feel very confident that the talent pool that we are generating uh, right now are going to be able to be innovative and, and quick thinkers and be able to solve, um, you know, whatever issues arise moving forward. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. I agree there. And like a kind of just to, to two years ago, we would call if we called an executive from the pharmaceutical space, <laughs> have no interest in joining the cannabis space. And so it's becoming easier to recruit talent out of other spaces and have them join the industry, which exactly what Amanda said is what the industry really needs. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting, actually. I, and, you know, it's getting more normalized. Um, mm-hmm. I, I still think there's a lot of stigma and people, you know, like the the, the young mother's not going to talk about the fact that she probably smokes a joint at night either, you know. So there's the the professional experience normalization. And I think there's also a social normalization that that'll happen as well. Totally. Um, to kind of expand on the um, you know, kind of young mother conversation, I was actually in Toronto uh, a couple months ago for O Cannabis, which is a Canadian trade show uh, for the cannabis industry. And um, one of the speakers, they had a, a panel, it was called With Cannabis, a Woman's Ally. And it was narrated by Maya Elizabeth with Ohm Edibles and Maya, Whoopi and Maya. Um, and one of the um, LPs that was represented had uh, their uh, spokesperson talk about her experience using cannabis while she was breastfeeding, while she was pregnant, um, you know, while she was, uh, and that she still continues to use it now. So um, to the kind of social impact point, we are seeing those types of conversations. Granted, it's still kind of restricted to the community, um, but we are seeing those types of conversations being had at, uh, you know, at a very high level and in very public open forums that, mm. you know, I really hope within the next, you know, year, two years, we see a lot more educational materials about the benefits of medical cannabis um you know it's uh yeah i love that yeah and you know i always think i was goofing around with my wife the other day and we're like i think you know there's still like a for the older generation you know it's gonna be like you know they don't even tell their a lot of their family or friends and it's like how do you start coming out to your your friends you know how how do you manage that conversation and um i think it's all going in that direction so it's interesting and there's some major social impacts too we talked about health care but also you know the prison industry and all these things come into play and i'm excited Mm -hmm. to see where it all goes 
shows. And I just was really excited when I found what you guys are doing to help kind of, you know, staff up the industry, which is cool. Yeah, thank you. We uh, we really uh, uh, we're very proud of the work that we're doing. Speaking on behalf of myself and Carson and Banks, uh, we're I mean incredibly proud. Um, you know, our team is rock solid. Our culture is amazing, and you know, there's always room for improvement. We're all you know young entrepreneurs, so we're constantly growing. Um, but this industry has really given us the runway to uh, explore um, how to build a, a fast growing company. <laughs> right. <laughs> you right. know, to the startup world. Sounds good. I love it. Well, congratulations on all the great success. And I appreciate you taking the time to talk about it here today and share some of your other opinions on things that are going on. Um, we're going to wrap up and I want to give you guys just a chance to give yourselves a shout out. So Carson, why don't you go ahead and tell people how do they find you and uh, start getting employed in the industry? Yeah, I love I love being able to do a little sales at the end of at the end of <laughs> the opportunity to do that. Um, if you want to get a job in the cannabis industry, you should visit Vanks.com. Actually, rolling out a new website at the tail end of September, so stay tuned for that. But go to Vanks.com, fill out some information on yourself, and a recruiter will get in touch with you, and we will check out what opportunities we have around the U.S. and Canada. And if you are a company looking to hire the, you know, the, the best talent in, in the on the market, um, also get in touch with us via the website and a recruiter will get in touch with you to learn more about uh, what you and your business needs are. Awesome. awesome. I've said that a couple times, so hopefully by, hopefully by now I have it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guys, and it's banks.com. That's spelled B-A-N-G-S-T. So banks.com. And you can... Find out how to get uh, involved with the movement or hire people for your business. So, again, thank you both very much. Um, and if there, I think that wraps us up. So, again, appreciate your time. And until we speak again. Yeah, Adam, that was a blast. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. Thanks, Adam. That's all for this episode. Your next step is to join the Change Creator Revolution by downloading our interactive digital magazine app for premium content, exclusive interviews, and more ways to stay on top of your game. Available now on iTunes and Google Play. Or visit changecreatormag.com. We'll see you next time where money and meaning intersect right here at the Change Creator Podcast. (laughs) 